0: Yes, I'm domesticating. <laughs> One way or the other, he's going to get domesticated. After how long, 20 years of marriage, 22? Uh, we're going on 24. 24 years of marriage. Yeah. It's about time
1: you got domesticated.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long, <laughs> long road. <laughs> he uh, fired the maid some years ago, and uh, and then he was like, I'll just do it. But see, he doesn't know how to do it. Mm. Oh, So I end up having to go back and redo what he does. In marriage speak, this means... He doesn't do
1: it the way you like to do it. That's how it done. That is, <laughs> yeah, that's that's,
2: what, that's. I deal with. That my wife's like, Why is the house not clean? I'm like, It's clean. What are you talking about? <laughs> we, we you see, everyone's got know. their own particular standards.
1: Yes, yeah. you know how I uh fixed that problem, got divorced. Oh, I was about to say, <laughs> got divorced, got divorced, <laughs> and it's wonderful and now his apartment is shitty
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it
1: is a shit storm in there that is correct i'm not even going to deny it, <laughs> it
0: looks I, like you can't deny storm. it because there was one day that we were we were zooming or something and i went uh, i think we were going to go live for a, a twitch show and i was like john seriously you've got to move because we can see all that shit behind you that's right. It
1: hasn't changed. Some of the shit may be in a different corner, but I guarantee you that shit is still well, there. One,
2: the
0: one corner that you found that was clean worked.
2: There so, you go. Yeah. All you need is one corner for there you go. just <laughs> one corner.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick this off. Should we dive into it? Yeah. Let's, let's dive it. into it.
3: where five upcoming months of election ads are going to make us even more apathetic. Like that was possible. (laughs) It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who's still asking why there's no decent heavy metal anymore, John Mihalik. Hey, same John, same, same.
1: Hey everybody, it's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. I'm John Mihalik and this is my co-host, the Artistic Director of Whole World Improv Theater, Chip Powell. Hey John. Hi Hi, Chip. What's going on? Wow. Your radio voice is
0: getting better and better every episode. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm excited because we have been interviewing our main cast this whole entire season Mm -hmm. and today we have Manish Tiagi.
2: Tiagi. Come on. Come on, Chip.
0: Tiagi. Tiagi. I'm always going to say it wrong. Seven years. And I still, (laughs) I always say it wrong. Maybe it's on purpose. I don't know.
1: That's what I'm going to go with on purpose. No one ever says Mihalik right. Yeah, I definitely don't. You get that too, though, that just like people who have never met you before, you know, they try to like say your name.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every variety possible. I was on a Zoom call for work. And I had three different people say my name three different ways on the same call. And none of them like caught each other. And I was like, well, all right, I guess we're just going to roll with it. So you get, you get used to it.
0: <laughs> so uh, Monish, we want to talk about where did Monish grow up?
2: Yeah. So I grew up in the Atlanta area. So like Alpharetta, Johns Creek, that area. Um, so my parents are both from India, but they moved to the States in the 80s. I was born in New Jersey. I don't like to talk about that part of my life. And then uh, we they moved to Atlanta when I was about two. So I grew up in that area since nice. I was two.
0: What got you into the arts? Like as a young kid, was there a desire? Was there drive or passion to do something in the theater world?
2: I would say yes and no. It was kind of a happy accident in a lot of ways. So I think when I was like a little, little kid, I always enjoyed just like performing. But it would be for like my house, right? So like my parents or aunts and uncles. I used to be obsessed with the Lion King as a five-year-old kid. And so I would like pretend I was Mufasa on the top of our stairs, like on the top of Pride Rock. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a normal thing to do, but that's what I did. So I think that's, I've always had that sort of performer bug, I guess you could say. Um, And then growing up, I would do impressions of like my uncles and cousins and like kind of cracking up the, the family dinner table type of stuff but I never really thought about doing anything beyond that. And then in middle school, a bunch of my friends were auditioning for a play and none of them were like actors or really into it, but they were just like, Oh, this, there's this basically an extra role effectively in this play. So I was like, all right, we'll audition for that. And I got the audition, um, whatever, like results back. And I got cast in like one of the leads and I was like, Oh wow. Like I didn't want to do that and then the teacher who was directing it was like no I think you'd be really good for this and so after that then I was like oh this is maybe something I should look into doing more of what
0: was the junior high play
2: it was kind of a adaptation i guess you could say of a phantom of the opera um, but it was for international week so it was partially in french um oh, oh, yeah it was very yeah. uh I remember there, that yeah there were some interesting artistic liberties taken but it was fun. So I played literally a made up character that's not in the original story yeah. Oh, yeah. but was like I don't uh, uh, yeah, uh, it was one of like
0: the four leads. I had to do a Jack and the Beanstalk puppet show in French. Woo, that was a long oh, ass yeah. Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. 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 It was so very painful I would for love to go audience. back and see some
2: footage from this play, but uh but no. So then from there I did a little bit of theater in high school as well and um What did you do in high school? So we had three shows a year, and I would do at least two, sometimes three of them. If it was a musical, our director and I had kind of a mutual understanding. He's like, hey, we're going to do a musical in the fall. You know, maybe you should go play tennis uh, (laughs) in the fall. Uh, But, you know, non-musical stuff... Let's see. I did The Boys Next Door, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Got like a smaller part in that my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Uh, My sophomore year, we did this fun play called 11 Variations on Friar John's Failure. So Friar John from um, Romeo and Juliet. So it was comedy about the 11 different ways in which his sort of errand went awry and, uh, <laughs> and
1: resulted in a double suicide yeah,
2: yeah. It, it was it, there was like one where he got trapped in lord of the Sounds rings like he went to a
0: very sophisticated school yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: wow yeah well you know we, they, they the theater program there was pretty pretty uh pretty great i, I would say and so uh we did some shakespeare and yeah. all, all the kind of classics i would mm-hmm.
0: say i
1: loved the old high school plays oh I well like. i have much different memories
2: of them I definitely gravitated more towards like the comedies for sure. But then like senior year, I played a couple more like dramatic roles and it was just never something I really like thought I would do, but it was just so fun and I enjoyed it. And, uh, and yeah, just kind of, kind of went from there.
1: So then you went to LA, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so actually, I went to USC for undergrad, That's right. and uh, I studied film and TV production while I was there. And so the reason I got into all that is because while I was doing theater in high school, I kind of started messing around with like making movies. So I was like, I had like you know classic big like handy cam camera, and my friends and I like the first movie we ever tried to make was uh, we were just like having a sleepover at my house, and we were all in the basement, and I was like, hey, let's make a horror movie called The Basement. <laughs> Very creative. Go with was, what you know. Yeah, it was going to be like our Blair Witch project. Like we legitimately thought we were making a horror movie. And then we played back like because I mean, it, we like the villain was we draped like this blanket over my friend and gave him a pair of orange sunglasses because it looked creepy. And we we're like, oh, this is gonna be like, a really scary villain. And uh, played the footage back. And it was so freaking funny that we were like, let's just turn this into a comedy. And then that became so we just made a bunch of like comedy type stuff mm-hmm. all through high school. And I got super into it, taught myself how to edit and all that kind of stuff and um, yeah I was kind of like oh maybe this is what I'll study in college that's what led me to California And then you started doing improv out there um, right? not really that much out there so while I was out there, I was kind of more focused on like the behind the camera type of stuff. So, the film program there, it's like kind of like A to Z film production. So, you write, you direct, you edit, you learn how to operate a camera, lights, like all that kind of stuff. So, I was kind of more doing that type of stuff. But I did take an improv class. I took an improv class at Improv Olympic West while I was out there. It was one of those things, like looking back, I wish I had definitely done a lot more while I was out there. But at the time, it was just not, I guess it wasn't like what I was mainly focused on on. And uh, I was also just being a college student, you know, yeah. so there's there's things that come with that. And, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so are you doing any theater at all or no? Are at they, that time? Yeah. No. Yeah.
2: No. So I was making, you know, videos and, and films and stuff. Let's talk
0: about, what's the, the video poster that's next door? What's that called?
2: Oh, Thunder Dan 2. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So that was a movie we made in high school called Thunder Dan. And this was like full 90 minute feature length film, parody of superhero movies. It was called Thunder Dan because we had a teacher in our school, his first name was Dan. So we were like, okay, Thunder Dan. And so he was a history teacher by day, superhero by night. And so we had kids in our class, like play all of these teachers, like basically impersonate teachers that taught at our (laughs) school and then turn them into like superheroes or villains. And it was a whole, it was like a, a little, uh, you know, Marvel Universe type setup. And then we made a sequel to it called Thunder Dan 2, which, so Thunder Dan 1, like, I think I literally wrote, like, in pencil on the back of, like, my history homework. Like, that was the production quality that we yeah. had there. And then after I started getting into film school and doing more of this type of stuff, I was like, okay, let me actually write, like, a script and we'll do, like, a shot list and actually, like, try to make this thing. So we made it. It was, like, two hours long. It was actually three hours long, so we split it into two movies, wow. Thunder Dan 2 and Thunder Dan three oh wow um, <laughs> yeah but uh it was like a cult classic there's mm-hmm. still some copies floating around and there's a poster backstage so. i think it's on youtube isn't it the trailer, the trailer yeah. is okay. on okay so yeah, yeah. yeah every once in a while somebody will find that and, <laughs> and, uh, and bring it up but uh yeah a lot of fun
0: and did you ha- actually have like previews of the movie like do you had people gather and watch and
2: oh yeah this is a good one so thunder dan 2 so we actually graduated from high school at this point but we filmed the movie like that summer after mm-hmm. so it was like everybody's back in town for Christmas break kind of thing so it's alright we'll have the big premiere of Thunderdan 2 and we actually like worked with the school to make it into like an official alumni event and like they put up money for it and like concessions and it was like a whole thing and and then we get back and I'm like guys we haven't finished the movie yet. Oh no! <laughs> so, so literally we're like filming the last couple like pickup shots and like we're up pulling like multiple all-nighters in a row trying to edit this thing because there's like a premiere happening and then like you know john you you'll know this type of stuff pretty well like the export's not rendering fast enough <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the premiere starts in like two hours so we literally bring the computers to the school we have we have we had we a we uh, yeah we had, we had the first half of the movie done so we played that while the second half of the movie <laughs> rendered and, and then like we are like, we're going to take a 10-minute intermission. Actually, let's make it a 20-minute intermission. Oh, my God. And, uh, and they definitely saw a very condensed second act. But we got enough done to where they got to see something. And uh, oh, it, was, it was an adventure. After that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to move into improv where you don't have to do a lot of prep work before. And you yeah. can just show up and yeah. put on a show. Uh, that was a stressful night. But it was a lot of fun looking mm-hmm. back.
1: That's the movie you've got to make. You've got to make the move, Oh, the yeah. making of that oh, movie. Yeah. It, was, oh, it was
2: very comical. Very comical. <laughs> and it was a bummer because, like, you guys know this. Like, it is a comedy. And one of the fun parts about doing comedy live or, or certainly making, like, a, a movie that was a comedy is, like, hearing the audience react to the stuff that you wrote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I missed all of that because I was sitting waiting for this <laughs> yeah. file to yeah. export like, <laughs> in some random, like, English classroom. Really? So. Yeah but good times.
3: This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. And thank goodness for organizations like these, because now more than ever, Anybody sick of that phrase? Everyone knows how important the arts are because where did everybody turn to after two years of health arts? Let's keep recognizing these amazing organizations for what they are and what they do. We love you.
0: So uh, you complete your work in LA and you come back to Atlanta?
2: Yeah, so I guess like, The other part of the story is while I was at USC, so I was also doing other things on campus and so i was really involved with our student government this is like a maybe fun fact i was the student body president of usc during my senior year of school yeah so i got into that type of stuff as well so i was kind of running two different worlds right you kind of got this like film and tv you know sort of world over here and then this like student leadership sort of world over here and after i graduated i spent some time in the entertainment industry at a talent agency and studio but then kind of realized like career wise, maybe that's not what I wanted to do. Didn't really know what I wanted to do and kind of leaned back more into like the business slash like student leadership side of things. And I got a job actually at my school, the one that we were just talking about in their administration, doing fundraising, development, that type of stuff. And so that's what brought me back to Atlanta 2013 ish. So when do you find the whole world? So it was while I was doing that, I'd been back in Atlanta about two years at that point. So 2015, I've always like had this, you know, I guess like the two sides of my interest thing, right? So like when I was working like pure play on like the arts and entertainment side of things, I was kind of missing like more of the the structure and the numbers side of things from like sort of. The business side of my brain. And then when I was just working the desk job, I was like, all right, man, I need some sort of a, a creative outlet. Like, I don't know what it's going to be. I dabbled in a stand up class and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But I was just kind of looking for something to, to flex that side of my brain. And I came to a show here as an audience member, and I was like, this looks exactly like what I always loved to do. Back when I was a kid, back when I was in high school, making these silly videos, like this is the type of stuff I like to do. And so I signed up for a one-day workshop with Grant and I was like, hey, you know, I I want to like learn more about classes and that type of stuff. Mentioned that I'd taken some improv classes before. And so then he had me come in and audition with you, Chip, and Eric Goins. Yeah. And so that's when I started into the class program in 201. And so that would have been April, 2015-ish.
0: So working in that program, you haven't done any sort of stage performance in some time. Yeah. You're auditioning for us. You're coming in. What's it like just getting back into it? Somewhat. Of yeah, a
2: place? it was more fun, I think, than anything else. Certainly a little nerve wracking, right? <laughs> uh, but again, sort of to be perfectly honest, like when I signed up for 201, I kind of was just like, OK, I'll take this class and that'll be my creative outlet, like just mm-hmm. taking the class. I didn't really even... At that time, think about being an apprentice or being mainstay. I was just like, oh, this will be my creative outlet, this Mm -hmm. class. And then when I had so much fun in that class and during our grad show, our grad show was fun because to your point, Chip, that was probably the first live Performance, or really any sort of like real performance type Mm. thing I'd done in a long time. Yeah. And it just brought back all of those fun memories from when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is actually what I love to do. And this time you actually got to hear the audience's reaction. This time I didn't have to sit in the (laughs) English classroom waiting for the internet to (laughs) to establish a connection. Yeah. Yeah. You got to see the reaction, and it was so fun. And that Mm -hmm. everybody knows those grad shows are so much fun. And then afterwards, when you and Emily were like, hey, do you want to think about getting more involved here? Mm-hmm. Like, keep taking classes, join the, uh, at that mm-hmm. time, Unusual Suspects mm-hmm. uh, was was yeah. our moniker. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And so from there, it was kind of no looking back. I would say, yeah. like, that first show, it was just so fun. That was kind of the word I keep coming back to.
0: Yeah, I was just telling, we were talking to Aaron, and I was saying that the grad show that they had last week, I got super nervous for them because they'd only had 10 weeks because we've changed the program to Mm -hmm. get geared up for a show. So you're nervous for them. You're nervous for yourself. You want to make sure that they look good. And I felt like I wrote a show that would showcase them in the right way. And it was so rewarding when you see how many people come and support it, the energy that they're putting out, the reactions that they're getting from the audience and. There were a few of them that were on the fence, but once they did the show and they got off stage, they were like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to I am going to do the next one. Because, you know, I think there's just so many nerves. And now that it's 10 weeks to get them there, it's crazy. Like, it goes so fast. And (laughs) But so you're in a performance group, like you're performing, you're taking classes. And then we say, boom, can you be an apprentice? Tell people that are trying to get there what that's like.
2: For me, it was pretty fast you know, fortunately in a lot of ways, and, but also just surprisingly, because like I said, I kind of like didn't, a lot of this was just kind of coming at me quickly, right? I'd gone from sort of the mindset of like, oh, I'll take this one class on Monday night and that'll be my creative outlet too. Okay, now I'm taking a class on Monday nights, and I'm here on Wednesdays for rehearsal and I'm doing crew shifts on the week. So this became my life basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so I became an apprentice. At that time, there was like two levels, right? Yeah. Like not to get into the weeds, but there yeah. was like unusual suspects and then there was like, Apprentices, and then there was main cast. Yeah, and so I was an unusual suspect for a few months. And I remember when I first got invited after like my grad show, I like never signed up for shows because I was just kind of like, oh, like I guess I need to wait until I sign up like for a long time, mm-hmm. and you know, you're just like intimidated by everybody kind of thing. And yeah. Carlos was just like, why aren't you signing up for? Oh yeah, the shows? Carlos was, was a like, ball buster. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I, you know, I think I need to wait a couple months. He's like. Sign up this Thursday, and I'm going to put you in the show. So I did, and it went great. And then from there, I just kind of got on a roll. Then I think that's when I got moved up to be an apprentice. And At that time, I I could be getting the timeline wrong a little bit, but there's only like maybe like two or three, four people in that kind of like group. Mm -hmm. And I was there for a few months. And then from there, totally unexpected, got moved up to main cast – that next April, so that would have been April 2016. So really, like from when I first walked into the building to main cast was one year, which was mm. that's fast, wild, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah But I know how to pick them, Manish. I mean, that's that's true. <laughs> that's, I guess, I guess.
0: Yeah. But uh, so now you become main cast. Tell folks that are listening what
2: is that like now that you're main cast. I think that was a really interesting transition because, like I said, when I first walked in here, I saw a show. I could be getting the specific people wrong, but it was Brian Snyder, mm-hmm. Chris Capes, Drew Dotson, yep. Tanya, mm-hmm. uh, Eric, mm-hmm. Chip, yourself, yep. Emily. Like, that was who you saw perform. And, again, before i taken classes or anything, I was just, you know, you walk away, you're like, wow, that was an incredible show. I mean, that's an amazing group of talented people, you're like, how do they even do that? Like, those are all the thoughts that are running through your head. And then just one year later, it's like, okay, now these are my peers, right? Like, now I'm a part of this group. So there definitely is like that sort of initial, I think, like intimidation factor, right? Where you're like, I better not screw this up, right? Like, I just got put in (laughs) impersonations with Brian Snyder. I'm doing eight words against Drew Dotson, right? Like, you're kind of like... I just want to be able to like not derail the show at this point. Right. But um, I got to give credit to like that group. They were so welcoming and supportive and encouraging, they weren't like taking it easy on you necessarily. But it was this like, hey, we trust you just as much as you trust us. I think that gave me a lot of confidence. So yeah, you kind of fight through the nerves. And then after you get that comfort level with performing with them a few times, like then you kind of feel like, okay, now I'm just sort of a part of this. And I mean, that's kind of the fun part about improv, right? It's like, it really is a team sport. And so Mm -hmm. if there's five people in a show, six people in a show, like all six of those people have an important role to play Mm -hmm. in that show. And so I was one piece of that equation and it was a lot of Mm -hmm. fun to be in that spot.
0: And so when you are in the height of your main cast, you step away. So- Obviously, there was no way in hell we were going to let you go, but obviously you had to go because you wanted to continue your education, and I thought that was brilliant. But I wanted to make sure you knew that the door was going to be wide open for you to return. Tell people about that journey.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, so you're absolutely right. I was moved up to main cast, performing in shows for a few months, and right around that time, I got admitted into business school at the University of Virginia. It was another, like, kind of moment where I was torn because... I loved what I was doing here. I had no desire to leave Atlanta or to leave like what I was doing here. But from like a professional standpoint, it was the right next step for me. It was kind of what I always at some point envisioned doing was like going back to get a graduate degree. And it was just like the timing was kind of kind of weird. I remember talking with you about it, Chip. And, you know, I was just like, I really want to do this for every other part of my life, Mm -hmm. but you know, this part of my life, I don't want to lose it was tough but you know you guys were so supportive and said you know go do that we'll always be here and beyond take a
0: break and come back you can perform (laughs) and
2: (laughs) yeah well i mean i that was a super fun part about it where i'd come back for like thanksgiving Mm -hmm. or christmas or whatever and get to pop into a show every now and then and that was a lot of fun so it was a great way to kind of keep not just the door open but keep like sort of my because you know The performing aspect is certainly one part that you Mm -hmm. miss because there's not a whole world improv theater everywhere, right? Like there's not this amazing artistic venue in lots of different cities. But beyond that, it's the people, right? It's like you've spent this year building these like close friendships with all these people and now you're going to move away. So getting to come back and pop into those shows and see those familiar faces, it was a real breath of fresh air and um And then it just so happened that the job I got afterwards brought me back to Atlanta. And so Mm -hmm. I was able to walk in through that open door and come back. And and
0: we're glad you did.
2: Yeah, it's been great.
0: So you come back and then you start teaching. So what is the difference for someone who's a main cast member that then starts to instruct? How does that change your performance?
2: It's a great question. I think... Both teaching and emceeing, which I probably emcee more than I teach, but it definitely changes how you approach it. I would say emceeing, I guess they both do, right? So, teaching, like when you have to explain to somebody, both from a scene work perspective and from sort of like a game craft perspective, like not only like how to do things, but if you have to like coach them on how they could have done things better, like Mm -hmm. you really have to work hard yourself to be able to like give them Mm -hmm. like an articulate, intelligent piece of feedback, which is. Mm -hmm. Not easy. I think students sometimes don't realize how difficult that is for teachers in anything, Mm -hmm. right? But when you have to do that as a teacher for improv, it really makes your understanding of those concepts, whether it's scene work related Mm -hmm. or something about a specific game, I think that much sharper. So then when you bring it to your performance, you kind of have that I think just like playing in the back of your head where you're like, okay, I understand the basics really well because I've had to not only do them myself, but I've had to explain them to another person. And then MCing I think, is actually a whole nother layer on top of that where now you're thinking about, you know, I think sometimes as a performer, you're in your four or five scenes for a show, and that's kind of all you're thinking about. But as an MC, you have to see that whole 9, 10 scene arc, and you have to understand, okay, well, how does the momentum and the energy need to pick up through the first act and end on a high note right before intermission? And then let's get the audience back in that first scene right after intermission. And then how do you just kind of navigate that whole journey that you're taking the audience on and how do all the actors that you have in any given show fit into that journey. So it's a much bigger equation, I think. I think that's given me a lot of appreciation as an actor of knowing, Okay, well, if I know that the second scene of the second act is eight words like, okay, this is kind of how I need to approach it. And here's what I might need to do differently than if it were another game or if it were placed in a different part of the show or that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think it just adds another layer of nuance to how you approach your performance in scenes.
3: Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina.
1: What did you learn as an apprentice that you would pass on to other apprentices?
2: That's a good question. There's so many things. I'll break it down into different categories. So I think there's things you can learn about being a better performer. I actually really like the way Grant explains this, which is there's the scene work, which is sort of like the basics of everything that we do here. And that's a muscle you have to work, right? You have to get a lot of reps in. You have to understand the basics of scene work, you know, study the UCB manual, all that kind of stuff. And then there's because of what we do here at Whole World, it's sort of like I think Grant calls it game craft, right? Which is like just the mechanics of different games. And knowing how those work and knowing what's the difference between sounds like a song and musical styles, right? Like, what are the nuances between those two different games Um, or all the guessing games that we play here? They're all similar, but there are unique differences between those games. And how do you really understand those so that you can play them to their sort of maximum potential? And I think all that comes down to two things. Repetition. So getting up there on Wednesdays for more than just one scene a night, right? Getting up two, three, four times if you can on Wednesdays and not just sitting back and watching. I think that helps a lot. I think now that we have the jams coming to those and getting additional repetition makes sense. I think the third thing is, is seeking feedback on like what you can do better. Because like even if you've done a flawless scene Or even if you've done a scene that went really well, there's probably something that could have gone a little bit better, whether it's with the actual scene work or with the game aspect of it. And that's true for not just apprentices, by the way. I mean, main cast too. Everybody, yeah. But actually like seeking out that feedback, because it's really easy as an MC even to just be like, hey, that was a great scene. Like, you know, let's not talk about it because it went fine. But I I always find the apprentices who walk up to me after the shows as an MC and be like, hey, like, what do you think like I could have done differently in that scene? Or like, how could that have been even better? Like, that's how you get better is by kind of really dissecting it. But then I think the other part of it, too, which I don't think gets talked about as much, but I think is really important is understanding like this place is really a community, right? I mean, it's really Mm -hmm. a group of people who kind of like do this because they love to do it. And sort of like the attitude that you bring to that community and the energy that you Mm -hmm. bring to that community matters, right? Mm -hmm. And I would like to think that one of the things that helped me like you know, get moved up quicker, whatever you want to call it, is I showed up to all my shifts on time. I stayed late and helped clean up yeah. and came and supported the other shows. And not like because my goal was to get anything out of it, but just because I liked being around here, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And I, I, oh, yeah. I think it matters. And I get everybody's got different time pressures and all that kind of stuff. But I guess the advice I would give is while you're here, just bring like a real positive energy to like, whatever it is you're doing here, like whether you're performing in a show or you're a house manager or you're running lights, like if you bring a good energy to the two, three hours you spend here, like that's going to make a positive impact on this place. And I think it's going to show, I Mm -hmm. think, to, to everybody
0: else. No, that's very well said because that is definitely, you know, I do believe that the attitude of the folks performing affect the show, because totally. if they're backstage and we're having a good time and things are going great, we usually have a good show. If there's some sort of tension or something's off or someone's in the corner, it can tend to also affect the show in a different way. So it's I think it's really about the protection of not only the performers, because they need to have a safe space, but it's also the protection of the entire evening oh, yeah. of what these people are going to see. and Totally.
2: And it starts the minute... They walk in, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the yeah, way yeah. they're greeted at the box office, the way that their drink order goes, the way that the house manager brings them into the building, the house speech. I think sometimes when you're working a cruise shift, you kind of feel like you're just doing something to check it off the list. But if you bring an attitude of, hey, I'm a part of the show mm-hmm. every time I'm in this building, I think that is how you really kind of start to give back to the whole operation. Yeah, really. yeah. You know, I've always loved, from the minute I started here, sort of the attitude that you guys have always preached of, you know, we all have so much stuff going on in our lives. Work, family stuff, personal stuff, whatever it is. Everybody has it every single day. But when you walk into this door, you know, that sort of attitude of leave it at the door, it's a really great refuge in a lot of ways, because it's like, this is something that most people in the world don't get to do, right? For 2 hours once a week, maybe more, you get to leave all kind of like the stress of your life somewhere else and just kind of have fun and be be like you were when you were a kid, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, that's really rare. Like most adults don't get to do that. And we have the chance to do that. And I think if you embrace that, if you really say, okay, when every time I'm here, I'm going to just focus on being here, mm-hmm. I think You're going to get so much out of this beyond just like moving up the cast or whatever. That stuff becomes really secondary. And it's just like you really get something out of the art form that we get to do here Mm -hmm. and the community that we get to do it with. I think that sort of mindset would be like the advice I would give to people who are just starting out is like be present really is what it comes down to. I'd
1: agree with that. I know there's been so many times where I just thought, "Eh, what's really going on with me here? But you know what? It was the people. That's what yeah. kept bringing me back here is this, you know what? I'm not going to get this anywhere else.
2: <laughs> it's. I mean, it's rare. I think yeah, it's really rare, it you is. know? And I think you see it obviously like every week for shows, but holiday parties, you get to sense that. We've had a few opportunities now and sometimes the occasions aren't the best, but think back to like the tribute show that we did for Andy Jones and mm-hmm. you got to see performers from years ago come back or even the podcast, like and getting to hear those stories, you get to see like, there's a really large amount of people that have had a great experience here. And uh, and that are still friends after totally. 28 years that
0: yep. ha- have raised children. Their kids have come through the program. Their family members come to the shows to support those kids. They bring the whole family for the holiday. It just it goes on and on and on and on as to... The friendships that developed from each different group that came through here and it's generations of people and i think that that more so than anything is the success of what we do because we're not just building a great show we're building friendships we're building our lives i mean yeah. how many people have come through these doors and gotten married and still maintained a status here. You know, it's like we watch people grow up and grow into different things. But I do think it does start when you start instructing here. It takes Mm -hmm. on a different persona for everyone, which is why I need more of the folks that are here instructing because it really does make you put your money where your mouth is. Because then you're doing a show and your student comes up to you and says, you asked a question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I yes, I did. But I know I knew how to
1: handle it. Yeah. (laughs) The biggest takeaway so far this season for me has been when I start teaching, a student's gonna come up to me and say, Jen, you asked a question.
0: Yeah, that's probably what's gonna happen. But yeah. But I think after so many years of teaching improv, that you know, I embrace you know, when I first started, corporate events would scare the crap out of me because I It's a different beast. Mm. And over the years learning how to go in and maintain, like we just did a corporate workshop for somebody and they had not seen each other in two years. It was their first meeting and this was just a week ago. It was their first company meeting face to face in the building in two years. Wow. And so we were the surprise, the workshop. But those people were so excited, A, not to be on Zoom, but to all be in a room together <laughs> doing this improv thing that, you know, I have to get really. I've learned how to really project my voice to get their attention. Yeah. But it's also one of those things now I really look forward to doing because... Knowing and understanding how the lesson plan translates from performance to corporate was something I had to teach myself. And I feel like I've got a good handle on it now. So now I've, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I want to do that. I want to do yeah. that workshop because now I feel like there's more purpose to what I'm teaching than maybe my first couple of times ever doing it years ago. I was just like, oh my God. But, well, oh, yeah. of course, we would do it a lot longer. We've learned to kind of
2: shorten it down, too,
0: to keep their uh, you know their attention. So Yeah.
2: Well, it, I mean, that brings up a good point, which is like, and you know this, obviously, through those workshops, is like what we teach here in improv is so beneficial for so many things outside of ever performing on a stage, okay. right? I think that's why, like, kind of the corporate world's already started to adopt that but I mean it's yes and and sort of like follow the follower and, and building everything together as a team and anytime you're ever interacting with another group of people like mm-hmm. these skills are going to help that yeah and so I think that's another thing that is awesome about this art form is like not only is it fun not only can you put on a great show using it but like the lessons from it are very translatable to lots of different parts of life
0: I love it <laughs> this is good I think we should play this one next <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's just put this one on next.
1: Do you know how much editing I've already done and not done? (laughs) I mean, Jesus.
2: Is that it? We have more? I I just drank a full cup of coffee. guys. I'm ready to go.
1: You know, now that you would mentioned, though, editing, I'm just going to be like, hmm, wait a minute. Maybe I can throw some of this shit down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't envy the editing part of this this, uh, job that you have, John.
1: There is something, though, since you were our first episode, our pilot episode you came back and you've guest hosted. So you're my control in the experiment here.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
1: How are we doing so far?
2: <laughs> I think it's great. I love it. I, uh, I really enjoyed first season with like the, um, the backstory type of stuff. And maybe it's just me. Cause I'm sort of a nerd like this in, in many ways, but I love hearing origin stories. I love hearing about how different places got started and whether it's, you know, here or uh, mm. like, I love reading biography. So like that mm-hmm. whole season was fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think the second with the education piece was cool. It was like, you know, really getting into the weeds of how you can get better at this craft. And then I think the third has been, well, I'm excited to hear all these other episodes too. But like what I'm excited about with this season is, I know all of these people, Mm -hmm. like, very well, right? But, like, (laughs) I'm sure there's going to be stuff I'm going to learn by Mm -hmm. listening to the podcast, right? Like, I'm sure there's something that Aaron talked about or Paige talked about that I would have never picked up in a conversation Mm -hmm. with them after a show, right? Um, Taking it
0: back to childhood, you know, because I think, you know, a lot of what we do, like you said, we're playing, like, Kids, like yeah. when we were little. And so, hearing how, you know, a lot of people did or didn't have any sort of theater background or any desire that ended up here, but then there was others that did. Yeah. I mean, there was no question it, with my family as to what I was going to be doing because I was always performing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was never, never a dull moment. Very similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never, yeah. never a dull moment. I would actually sell tickets. In our uh, dining room, when they would have people over, I would sell tickets for a dollar each. Nice. And I would collect it, give them a ticket, an actual ticket that I would get my brother or one of his friends to tear the ticket. And we'd have the dining room chair set up in the living room. We'd have a sheet over the front foyer and uh, the show would begin. And it was always... Yeah. So I don't think even as uh, a kid they had any doubt. Yeah.
1: The difference here, both of you were performers at a young age, but only Chip was monetizing. You were just <laughs> well, like...
2: Well, he was selling tickets early. I was just doing a free show. And, uh, that, yeah, and
1: you went to business school. Yeah, you got I, a...
2: a, a- I, you know... <laughs> You're in
1: the wrong line of work. I, I, I mean, I really, I could make a seven bucks to show y'all.
2: I missed a step somewhere for sure, but uh, yeah, no, I never had that kind of early, early artistic director sense that Chip clearly had.
0: <laughs> you uh, get your brother and his friends to be the crew.
2: <laughs> oh, that that I I did. I wrangled all my friends into doing, oh, yeah. you know different bit parts and uh crew roles and but things like that. Neither of you paid them. Oh no. Well they well, they're I hurt after the show was over. I mean yeah. Uh, yeah, I might give him a slice of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was fourteen, John. It's not really uh
0: It's a touchy subject with my brother when you bring it up because he was always crew or the part he didn't want to play. Oh yeah. <laughs> how I made him forced him to work.
2: Those types of things are so fun, though, to look back on and, like, just how you figured it out and made mm-hmm. made it happen. And, and uh, I remember, so we made this video called Peach State of Mind, right, which was a parody of Empire State of Mind, Jay-Z, Alicia Keys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We called it Peach State of Mind, all about Atlanta and Georgia. Yeah. Zero budget, filmed it with, like, a tiny camcorder. And this was sort of, like, the early days of YouTube, right? And, I mean, I remember we, like, I had a, I wrote, a line in the song about something related to the Braves. So we roll up to Turner Field at the time and it was a winner. So we just like roll in through the, the gate was just open to Turner Field. Uh, so we walk <laughs> in and, the, and we were like filming, like, you know, I'm like pressing play on this little boom box and lip syncing the lyrics. And then the security guard walks up and we're like, oh crap, uh, you know, be cool, be cool. And uh, he's just like, Hey, what are you guys filming? And we like made up the story about how we're like tourists from Minnesota and just huge Braves fans. <laughs> and and like, I just wanted to film our family vacation. he's just like all right cool well you can't use a tripod and i was like that's a very weird rule first of all <laughs> like the, method hey. the field <laughs> yeah like uh yeah i don't know so stuff like that is just fun to look back on it's like it's not that different from how stuff normally works anyways right like you just figure it out you improvised it exactly and
1: then take away the tripod
2: yeah i just thought that was the weirdest rule hey you can film just don't hold it steady you know
1: All right. Well, that's been amazing. Thank you, Manish, for being a friend to our little podcast here.
2: Indeed. Happy to do it.
1: And until next week, I'm John Mihaly. I'm Chip Powell. And scene.
3: Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, a podcast John works on while his dog stares at him in silent judgment. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and sultan of swing is Chip Powell. Recording, writing, and post-production by John Mihalik. Oh, man, he added a writer. (laughs) I thought we'd settle it. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. After all, who doesn't love a scrappy underdog podcast like us? Whole World Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, WholeWorldTheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. How you spend the money you save is up to you. We don't judge. Maybe I'll go ahead and finally buy my booby tassels additional writing and voiceover from me. Kate Arlo. I just got off a plane. had a layover in Charlotte. I think it was the most crowded, densely crowded terminal I've ever been in. I've been in a lot of terminals. This was like shoulder to shoulder for the length of 10 gates. It was was crazy. At 10 o'clock at night. There is a seven-year-old or so behind me trying to solve a Rubik's cube the whole time. Uh. Mm, five inches from Minnagin, <laughs> and I'm not—I'm not one to easily annoy. I'm quite, you know, a, a little too passive, I would say, or so I've been told. But for however long, how many hours that that was, I don't know. But you just hear. then you think it stops torture water drip torture and then it just goes i didn't snap though i didn't snap at all it's been a long journey folks i hope you have had a wonderful beginning of the summer so far i love you thanks for listening we'll see you next week And a man who's still asking why there's no decent heavy metal anymore, John Halleck. Hey, same John, same same. Do you like the little uh, Amon Amarth, Or Noir, Megadeth, Meshuga? Or you in are you talking like the Metallica, like before they got all weird, Black Album that the whole that whole thing, metal metal like the or the. <laughs> Or, you know, just the classic, uh, I guess the kids would consider grunge, maybe? Metal, nowadays? I'm not sure. I don't know what's going to happen. But, yeah, John, I agree. I myself prefer George Michael to the grave. Maybe a little Hall & Oates. ABBA. Mm-hmm. Flock of Seagulls. Erasure. Duran Duran, of course. Depeche Mode. Words are very unnecessary. It's three in the morning.